Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to The Incline. It's trade deadline day. I know everyone's been checking their computers frantically, going through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to see if the Dodgers made any moves. And it's 1.40 p.m. and the Dodgers did nothing. But that's okay. We're going to talk about that in a moment. we got a very exciting show today. We'll be joined by Tim Neverett in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk about the deadline and the Dodgers. They stand at 26-10. and 10. They have the best record in baseball. And, you know, the Padres really stole the show today. Yawn. <laughs> Big was, yawn. Whether it was acquiring Mike Clevenger for some of their top prospects from the Indians or adding some bullpen assurance with uh, Taylor Williams of the Seattle Mariners, they also acquired Trevor Rosenthal, not related to David, from the Royals just the other day. And then they added two catchers in Austin Nola and Jason Castro, who kind of sucks. And they got rid of Austin Hedges. <laughs> and I think they also did one other move. So let's just talk about the Padres real quick, because this is the team chasing the Dodgers. Where do they stand? They stand exactly in the same place as they were before the deadline. Let me make something clear right off the bat. If Chris Paddock is as good as they thought he was, they don't have to trade for Mike Clevenger. This Clevenger trade is because Chris Paddock is overrated. Chris Paddock is a solid number three, but going into last year, after he made one good start, I heard, oh, he's the next Kershaw, blah, 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 Bueller, blah, 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 and it's just, he's just not. Um, so, yes, Clevenger is a good pitcher. He is slightly overrated. Um, you know, he's 29. Uh, I think they gave up quite a lot. I think half their roster is turned over now. So, clearly, they didn't believe in the team they had. Uh, and this was, you know, a direct result of the Dodgers being a powerhouse. So to answer your question, they're exactly where they were. Uh, Tatis and Machado are, are a problem. Um, but overall, this Dodgers roster remains better. Yeah, and I think the, the Dodgers pitching staff is much, much better still than the San Diego Padres. Whether you're talking about rotation, bullpen, it doesn't matter. The Dodgers have have better pieces. And I agree with what David was saying. If the Padres trusted their starting rotation, they wouldn't need to get Clevenger. And who knows if Clevenger is going to be as good as advertised. And we, we, we don't know. Um, I think they gave up way too much, just way too much. I mean, like the, the, hall, the hall of prospects that they gave up in order to get these players who are decent. I mean, Austin Nola, okay. He's an upgrade over Austin Hedges. Um, 
Is that his name, Austin Hedges? I don't even know. Yeah, he's like Austin Barnes, but worse. Hedges is terrible. Uh, so they needed, they definitely needed an upgrade at catcher, um, and and they got it because Nola's been, uh, he's been hitting the ball well. But other than that, Rosenthal, you know, coming off Tommy John, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of question marks here. Uh, Clevenger as well. Um, but honestly, I'm not, I'm not too worried that the Dodgers didn't make any moves. I was hoping that they would be able to get at least a bat off the bench. Cause I just, the, with the way that Kike Hernandez is hitting um, with Turner, uh, you know, getting injured, you know, you never know uh, what's going to happen with him in terms of, you know, how durable he's going to be in the postseason. I, I just would have preferred to get a, a right-handed bat and we didn't do that. Um, but it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. The offense is still a juggernaut as we've come to expect. Mookie Betts is on fire. He's performing like we, we, we thought he would. Cody Bellinger's out of his slump. Max Muncy's starting to hit. So all it, well, all it took was really to get these guys off the schneid and to start hitting. Because if you look at this roster, they've not all, they've not, all of them have not been playing up to their potential. So it's kind of as if we did get a lot of these bats at the deadline because all these players are waking up. They yeah, also is, is Mookie Betts still on the Dodgers? Is that is that still a thing? Oh, he is. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, good. And they also acquired Mitch Moreland from the Red Sox, which I forgot to mention—a good first baseman DH type of switch hitter. But my thoughts on the Padres, real quick, is yeah, Chris Paddock. To me, he's almost like just a slightly a slight hair notch better than Ross Stripling, in my yeah. opinion. And yeah. then. Mike Clevenger, I've done a lot of research on him over the past year because he's been one of the top targets on the Dodgers wish list. And I think he's almost legitimate a fraud. I hope I'm not jinxing anything here. But teams like the Royals, White Sox, when they were rebuilding, the Tigers, he would just pad all his stats against those teams. He'd have an ERA in the low twos. You take him against teams that are above 500, his ERA is close to five. And this season, he hasn't looked great at all. You know, he went against the COVID guidelines. So we'll see if the Padres made the right moves by going all in. Another team in the NL West that's going the opposite direction of the Padres is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who on paper look like they've given up this season. They gave, out, they gave up Robbie Ray for essentially nothing, who was a free agent anyways. He was told by many insiders that this is a guy you have to watch out for this season. He was dominating at camp apparently well it hasn't worked out this season his whips like two they also traded starling Marte to the marlins who they just had recently acquired in the offseason so now the power the right-handed power hitting outfielder is going to be wearing a marlins uniform and then they got rid of archie bradley the closer that's had a lot of epic collapses against the dodgers in the past he is going off to cincinnati and then they also got rid of their mustache man, the left-handed reliever, Andrew Chafin. I believe he's off to Chicago. So this is kind of important because the Dodgers are going to face the Diamondbacks six more games this season. The only name I think worth mentioning is they did acquire a left-handed starter, Caleb Smith, who's been limited this season due to COVID. You know, he's showed some flashes of what he can be, but he's also just had a lot of bad starts as well. Um, quick thoughts on the Diamondbacks. At least they have Bumgarner. <laughs> yeah. That was a huge move this offseason, and, and a lot of yeah. stupid Dodgers fans were like, well, we didn't get Madison Bumgarner. He's been terrible, and then he got injured, and now the Diamondbacks are getting rid of all of their players, and 
he's no better off than he, than, than he would have been on the Giants. And, in fact, he may have been better off on the Giants uh, to re-sign there because uh, yeah. both of them are kind of in similar positions. Um, I, I, I expected this just with the way that the Diamondbacks were going, although they were um, my – pick uh to finish second or or to make the most noise uh uh, behind the Dodgers and they just didn't live up to anything so it makes it makes perfect sense um and uh honestly you know it's to be expected from them because they they just they just didn't you know didn't pan out yeah I mean I said it from the start during our NL West preview show I said the Diamondbacks were frauds uh they they went all in for Bumgarner they got Marte and they still do nothing uh, Cole Calhoun is decent, um, but I said it from the start. This team, they don't know what they're doing. They have no identity. They don't know if they're buyers or sellers. Next year, they're buyers. Next year, they're sellers. Then they buy again. Frankly, if I was the Diamondbacks, I would sell everything and just completely rebuild. They, they were pivoting towards that when they traded Paul Goldschmidt, uh, but then they just decided, oh, well, I guess we'll try to be good, I guess. Uh, and they kind of went one foot in, one foot out, and here they are again, you know, selling everything. So I don't yeah. pity them, uh, but that's just where their franchise is at. They need that's to a, choose an identity. This is a perfect uh, allusion to one of our recent guests, Ryan Roland Smith, who kind of mentioned how if a team doesn't find their identity, which the Mariners had yeah, done in the past exactly. decade or so, this is exactly what you're going to get. And it appears the Diamondbacks are on that route. They are. Yeah. Madison Bumgarner. Probably thought he was signing into a better situation, but it looks like he didn't. Uh, I thought I honestly thought they would be better than this. Yeah, I mean, me too. I'm looking like a fool. But (laughs) another team that the Dodgers are going to face, I believe, seven times in the division, the Colorado Rockies, not giving up. They're at 500 at 17 and 17. They acquired Michael Givens of the Orioles, who's actually a pretty good right-handed reliever, someone that was on my target list, and then they acquired kind of a Dodger killer. He's from the area. Kevin Pillar, the outfielder. Yeah, that's a good pickup. Yeah, he can hit lefties very well, something that the Dodgers should have probably looked into. But uh, the Rockies, you know, we don't really need to talk too much about them, but they definitely look like they're going to be in the hunt at least. To me, it's it's Herman Marquez and – and who else? Freeland. Uh, Senzatella, uh, free, you know, Freeland. Well, yeah, Freeland's Freeland's bounced back. But uh, my point is, is that they just—I don't think they have the pitching. Yeah, I think they'll, you know, they'll make a, a run. I love their offense. I I love Trevor Story. Love Arenado. Dahl is hurt right now, uh, but they, you know, they got the guys for a for a five game series. They got the pitchers to compete in a five game series. So if they get there, they may be able to, you know, win around depending on who they play. Uh, but as in terms of a threat uh, to the Dodgers, uh, maybe in a three-game series, but definitely yeah. not in a five or seven. It's a potential 1-8 matchup for sure. Yeah. And then the last team in the division, the Giants, they didn't buy, they didn't sell. They just being the Giants, I guess, and we're done playing them for the rest of the season. Uh, how about the Texas Rangers? And they're worth mentioning because Lance Lynn was a big, hot commodity on the block. And then they made the foolish mistake of starting him just a few days ago against the Dodgers. You know, this is a guy who relies heavily on three different types of fastballs. The Dodgers really worked his pitch count up. I think he still was able to go six innings, but he did give up four runs. Apparently that was enough for teams to be like, nah, I'm good. I'm out. The Dodgers actually were in on Lynn apparently as of this morning, but the price was too high. 
The Rangers, what do you think is ultimately the consequence? Do you think they should have traded Lynn before the start? Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I mean, definitely. Obviously, they're not going anywhere. Uh, he is under contract for next year. So, you know, if they want to try to contend next year, sure. Um, but I don't see that bright of a future there anytime soon. Uh, and who knows, Lynn, like you said, he's fastball heavy. I think 90% of his pitches are, are variation of a fastball or a cutter. Uh, so who knows when he'll break down. You know, he's not young. Uh, I would have, you know, capitalized on that value now. Yeah, I was going to say that too, because who, who knows how, who knows if next year he, if he's going to be as good or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I, I feel like the, the asking price, I don't know what it was, but apparently it was too high for a number of different teams. Even if the Dodgers didn't, you know, think that he could contribute or was an upgrade at any position. I felt that, uh, that they, they could have dealt him to some team that could have used a starting pitcher. But ultimately, I'm glad that the Dodgers sta- stood pat on this because it, it really uh, it, it really sort of tells you what they think of, of their own pitching staff. And for crying out loud, please let Tony Gonsolin stay in the rotation. Dave Roberts said he was going to make his – Right. Dave Roberts said he was going to make his next start, which is good, but keep him in there. I don't want to see, you know, like Alex Wood or Ross Stripling anymore. Um, it just, it, it's painful uh, when, when we see, you know, arguably like leaps and bounds, better options um, that we're just not utilizing. And I think the, I think the second point that I want to make is let's let these starters go. I mean, it's enough already of taxing this bullpen. You don't want, you don't want your bullpen to be uh, tired going into the postseason. And so if you, if you've got these starters that can go longer, it's not like they're, they're burning out at a hundred pitches in four innings. Like they're, you know, Gonsolin had 62 pitches the other night. He only went, you know, three innings. It's like crazy. So to me, you got to let these guys go, but I'm glad um, because I think that the Dodgers, uh, maybe, maybe Lance Lynn was a better upgrade than Ross Stripling or Alex Wood. Sure. But I don't think he's a better upgrade than Gonsolin or, or May or even Urias. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just- I- Go ahead. Okay, just to uh, tie two things in together real quick. Yeah, I was very impressed with how the Dodgers played the Rangers. They dropped the first game, but those last two games, Cody Bellinger sure came alive. Max Muncy had a great series. Corey Seager going deep again. And, I, yeah, I already mentioned how I, I was impressed how they did against Lynn and the Rangers' bullpen. But the guy that actually got traded by the Rangers, Mike Miner, who had been lousy up until his start against the Dodgers, a lefty through six – innings would he give up no runs or one run anyways one team was interested he's going to the oakland athletics a team the dodgers are going to face later this season and maybe just, in the world series and that's my pick to be in the world series yeah thank you david as well um so that's just worth mentioning uh so i'll let you go david now sorry basically all i have to say is the Dodgers have the roster to win the World Series as it is. They didn't need to add anyone. Basically, what it comes down to is, are the players going to perform, and is Dave Roberts going to let them perform and not get in, their, not get in the way? Uh, May pitched in the playoffs last year. He has postseason experience, albeit it's just I think it was just one or two innings. Um, but he's been on that stage before. Uh, if the season ended today, uh, we'll, we'll talk to our guest in a little bit, who I'm going to ask this question as well. Um, but if the season ends today, Dustin May is that number three starter. He, I'm 
going with him in game three, the deciding game in that first series. And if you want to piggyback Arias or Gonsolin after him, go for it. But I'm giving May the ball there. All right. Just real quick, doing some quick housekeeping. Alex, what I think was brought up for a quick second. I'm at this point, I don't think he's coming back. It would not surprise me if he's DFA'd. They have no commitment to him. It was a one-year deal. He's looked bad apparently in his uh, simulation games or whatever. He looked so bad think, in, his, in his one start. And the one, yeah, of course. <laughs> and then the uh, the other guy, just worth mentioning, we got a lot of questions about him a week ago. Gavin Lux, he is now part of the roster. It looks like for good. Roberts even went far enough to be saying that he's going to be in the lineup against right-handed pitchers. So you know maybe they didn't make a deadline move, but if Gavin Lux starts to reach that prospect potential. There's a big bat you're adding into the lineup, and it's going to probably take away shares from Kike Hernandez. And and good because uh, I'm I'm tired of seeing Kike pop the ball up in the infield or strike out. It's infuriating. And I think David makes the point all the time where it, where Kike will hit a meaningless you know solo shot and that'll buy him a few more at bats. But, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> he'll hit a, he'll hit a home run and then he'll get two weeks more starts. Yeah, he's so, due for uh, one of those, by the way. And right, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say, uh, you know, we said news. Weird breaking news. What's that? According to a Blue Jays columnist, the Blue Jays have acquired Ross Stripling. That's hmm. a late. That's I was. That's <laughs> that was my next point. Is I was literally <laughs> I was about to make the point that while I love the guy, Ross Stripling has no role on this Dodgers team. There's not enough for he's not the best starter. He he's not great in relief. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what they get back. Uh, this could just be a uh, you know a, a salary dump or, or just it's. But yeah, we'll see. We'll it's see. really hilarious. I got two sources now that are verified that it's happening. I, we'll get the return hopefully later in this episode. But it's kind of ironic because a year ago I wanted Ross Stripling for Ken Giles straight up, but I don't think that's what. If happened. I had to guess, I'm gonna guess this is we're gonna get a prospect. Yeah, back. me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that'll actually uh, help our rotation, or it'll help Tony Gonsolin's case to stay in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which and is it's, good. it's bittersweet too because I like Stripling. He's a good guy. Yeah, good uh, dude. You know, he's been around a while, uh, but this is this is what needed to happen. Um, and and also he uh, he had the big interview of this season so far with Joe Kelly on this podcast, so we have yeah. that to thank him for as well. Um, but he's you know he's he hasn't really gotten a fair shot as the Dodgers. You know, I mean they put him in and out. I think this year was the first year he finally got like a real shot, and there's just no role for him. There's just and there's next year you got Josiah Gray maybe coming up, David Price coming back, so there's just no role. This makes sense. And Bauer wants to come to the Dodgers. Yeah. Okay. That would have been actually Bauer would have been the only starter that I would have really wanted Same, if, yeah. if they had gotten anybody. Um, but anyway, to, to, to finish up my point on Gavin Lux real quick, I just want to point out that we said it on the incline podcast that we needed to see Gavin Lux get some major league at bats because if they're going to use him in the postseason, he needs to, you know, develop that rhythm and get in shape. So I'm really glad that he is on the roster and he's going to be starting at second base for against righties at least. Yeah. No, it's like we like both of us. I think all three of us said this last week, or on Twitter, or something. It's it's now or never for Lux, and it's you know now has come. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. So the uh, the Dodgers PR department just tweeted out that the Dodgers have traded Ross Stripling to the Blue Jays for two players to be named later. Yeah. So it'll be guys not in their sixty-man player pool, which are going to be prospects. 
Yeah, kind of a bummer, but at the same time, not a bummer because I don't want to see any more starts from Stripling. Although, I guess he could have added value out of the pen if they were willing to do that. So we'll see who those players are. You know, I was hoping it'd be some major league talent, but it's all good. Um, you know, moving forward, they got 24 games left. What do you expect to see? You know, we're getting down to that point. Or are there any other trades you wanted to – sorry, are there any other trades you wanted to say real quick? Um, no, I think that was – I think we covered all the trades. Um, you know, I mean, the Padres obviously made the most. I, I don't understand – who knows how this is going to play out? I know they had to give up Taylor Trammell, who's a top outfield prospect. So, frankly, like, you know, if they're going to give up all these prospects for a one-year shot, go for it. If you don't win, then you, you, you kind of nuked your farm a little bit, which, you know, helps the Dodgers in the long run. So, you know, I, I think I think this is fine. I think the Dodgers did the right thing. You know, I, I praise Andrew Friedman for just standing pat and believing in his guys. All right. Well, um, I, I'm right there with you. Just to reiterate, you know, this is something you just have to remind people because people think the trade deadline is make or break for a team season. The Dodgers made the biggest move possible in 2020 by acquiring the Mookie Betts. Yep. So, you know, Gavin Lux called him up. That's basically a deadline acquisition right there. Number two prospect in baseball. Yes. The one thing that I am just kind of going to, Continue to monitor Pedro Baez and Joe Kelly. Apparently neither coming back anytime soon. Who will fulfill that role? Maybe it's Gratterall. Maybe it's just uh, Sabors. I don't know. But the bullpen is getting worked a lot. And I just got to give props to Dylan Floro. I haven't yeah. brought his name up a lot. but He's been killing it under the radar. He has been really good this season. Flashes to 2018 when I think a lot of people forgot just how great he was in the postseason. And then uh, Adam Kalerik, I thought he would be a lost cause, but he's doing pretty well as well. Um, Caleb Ferguson, I think with Kelly and Baez down, I think he slides up into that setup role. Other than that, you know, I think what is our next series? The Diamondbacks, right? Uh, Yeah, I I believe so. Still no Bumgarner on the IL. Yeah, no Bumgarner. And then after they that, haven't announced two of their pitchers yet. So, so I don't know exactly who we're seeing yet, but I know Kershaw is going to pitch and I know Arias is going to pitch tomorrow. Perfect. So just moving forward, you know, keep getting Gavin Lux, those consistent at bats and get Matt Beatty comfortable. We'll see if Edwin Rios comes back soon. Uh, Jock Peterson is one guy that I'm surprised didn't get traded at the deadline, to be honest. He was- I'm, you know what? I'm not. Because this dude, Jock, has hit in the postseason almost every year. Uh, he was almost, you know, World Series MVP uh, in 2017. Uh, I think he's a guy who can just snap into it. He's going to have a slump. You know, he's been in a slump pretty much all year. But recently, uh, within a, since August 16th, I believe, he's, he's hitting, I think, around 400. Um, so this could be a big, a big acquisition in terms of just getting Jock Peterson back. And I think Friedman, you know, views that, you know, he sees some guys on the team who aren't fully performing yet. And he can, he basically just views that as if they come along, that's an acquisition right there. Right. It's, it's, you know what, it's going to come down to the pitching. It it really is. We basically Kershaw and Bueller have to be good in the playoffs or they're not going to win the world series. All right, guys, we are thrilled today. We are joined by the Dodgers TV and radio play-by-play announcer, 
He previously worked with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Boston Red Sox, but he's also done a lot more than that. He's done the Olympics. He's done the minors. We're talking about Tim Neverett. Welcome to the Incline, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on, and uh, good to talk Dodgers anytime. Awesome, yeah. And you were once a baseball player yourself, I saw. You lettered in high school baseball all four years. Yeah, at college as well. And uh, I realized uh, that once I was in college uh, that my hamstrings and baseball were not that compatible. <laughs> so it took me a while to figure that out, but it, my hamstrings did me in. And by the time I was a senior, I couldn't run like I used to. And I knew I wasn't going to play anywhere beyond there anymore because I just didn't, I, I couldn't move like I used to. So I um, uh, had found a way to stay in baseball, which was as a broadcaster. And yeah. that was my, my major in college anyway was, communications and broadcasting so kind of put two and two together and I've been there ever since well it's definitely worked out for you we love having you out here in Los Angeles so you probably get this question a lot but actually what brought you out to Los Angeles and how excited were you to join the Dodgers organization well it's funny because I'm from New England I used to live three blocks from Fenway Park when I was in college mm -hmm. uh, I grew up 45 minutes from Fenway Park and people say why would a New England kid leave the Red Sox job. I mean, I've had that question 5,000 times. Uh, this is a business. This is the business of baseball. Uh, when I was in the National League with the Pirates, I liked the National League, preferred it. When I was in the minor leagues in AAA, I was with the Dodgers and Padres affiliations. Uh, I've always been, and when I worked in Colorado, I was with the Rockies and other National League teams. So I, I really prefer the National League. Now, do you say, well, you know, you've got a major league job. Do you just take whatever league or team you want to be with. No, it's not the way it goes. But uh, in Boston, you don't work for the team. And when they hired me away from Pittsburgh, they had made certain, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's bad, but they made certain promises that they uh, didn't live up to. And uh, after the 2018 World Series, I knew I didn't want to be back. Uh, working in that environment because you have to work for the flagship radio station and these are not baseball people and they don't really get what we go through as employees mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis being around baseball and traveling and all the things that go with it so I, I wasn't uh, happy with the employment situation um, and uh, it's actually during the season there was some conversation going on uh, that I found out about from uh, the agency that represents me and so toward the end of the season, we had some conversation when the season was over uh, and the dust had settled from the World Series. We finally had some conversation directly with the Dodgers who wanted to have me here uh, because I can do both TV and radio. There are a lot of people that don't do both um, just for one reason or another. And, and uh, with Charlie cutting back on his schedule and Joe's Fox dates and mm -hmm. Alana taking days off here and there. There was just, there was enough stuff, including spring training to bring me in as a full-time Dodger employee. Uh, this season's a little different though, with only 60 games. I don't get as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've added me to the pregame and postgame on radio daily, just for a couple of segments, uh, which is fun. But, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's just, it's a kind of a, a fluid situation, I guess, this year with the way the schedule is. Uh, but, it, you know, I understand it's a one-off kind of season, and 
I think like everybody, we're, we're hoping to play 162 and maybe get fans back in full at some point during the year next year. Yeah. Um, it's not too often you hear about a broadcaster going from one pennant winning team to the next, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, we love having you out here in LA. Well, I, was uh, hoping, I was hoping the Dodgers could win it all. So then I would have been with back-to-back World yeah. Series teams. Yeah, right. That would have made for a nice jewelry collection. But uh, I, I think that it, it is unusual, and and I'm not one that likes to bounce around from team to team. And the, and the only reason that I left Pittsburgh to go to Boston, people say, oh, great, going back home. Yeah, but it was really a more personal reason than that. My parents were very ill. Uh, my sister and brother were doing the best they could taking care of them. They needed some additional help. Um, so I went back, I decided that that was the best thing for me to do to stay in major league baseball. It happened to be the Red Sox that allowed me a chance to be near my parents and help them, mm-hmm. uh, at every opportunity I could, they both since passed. Um, but at least I feel like I did the right thing in going there. And then, you know, just before my mother passed, she told me, you need to go to, to Los Angeles. She said, you, that's where you need to be. And so... I didn't have to think about taking the job. Yeah. All right. One more quick personal question, then I'm going to hand it over to Jake. Just the other day, you posted a picture of your chocolate lab, Reggie. Yes. My girlfriend has two chocolate labs herself. So I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, what do you love the most about having a lab? They're the best. They're the absolute best creatures. I don't even look at them as an animal. You know, my wife and I don't even look at them like a dog. I mean, he... He communicates so well with us uh, without being verbal. Uh, he's not a barking dog. He's just, he goes everywhere with us off leash. He's very well trained. Uh, everybody who meets him loves him. Um, and he's, he's extremely, extremely athletic. He does dock diving. He, he climbs mountains with us. He, I mean, this dog can do anything. He swims like a fish. Um, and, uh, you know, he chases deer. I mean, he's, he's, in, he's been a, a joy to have. And we really lucked out with this particular lab. And, and my wife's family had labs when she grew up. I had labs also. So we knew the breed and we know how to train them and we know how to, how to you know, uh, enjoy them on a day-to-day basis. And, and this particular guy, he happens to be a gem. And uh, we really lucked out with them and they're, they're the best animals. And I, I always refer to labs as being the best people because they have no agenda yeah. other than, hi, I want to say hi, I want to play, I want to <laughs> yeah. be, I want to have fun. That's their, that's their entire agenda. And the other one is give me some food. Mm-hmm. So uh, we love our lab. I miss him terribly. He's back uh, with my wife in New England right now with where our, our other place we live is and uh, I miss him terribly so uh, I'm hoping that I can see him soon I see him on FaceTime every day and he looks at me and basically talks to me with his expressions so it's uh, it's a wonderful thing labs are they're more than just a dog believe me Uh, yeah I agree all right Jake I'll pass it over to you now uh, Tim, uh, you know, if you need to take a break after that hard-hitting question, uh, you, we can. We can take a <laughs> yeah, breather because that, woof, jeez, <laughs> I'm sweating over here. Um, no, uh, uh, so obviously right now uh, the, the, the trading deadline just passed uh, and it looks as if 
17 minutes or so past the hour that the Dodgers um, have not made a, a significant trade, which is okay. They have the best record in baseball. They're, they're doing just fine as far as we can tell. But from your perspective, did you think that they needed to add a piece here or there? I know we've discussed it at length here on the podcast, but just from, from your perspective, do you think that they needed to, you know, sort of shore up any uh, aspect? I think that, you know, my opinion is uh, apparently they were going after the same target that I had thought about. Uh, because they needed an innings eater as a starting pitcher, I thought. Mm-hmm. And we just saw a really good audition from Lance Lynn. Uh, and apparently, according to some of the reports, and I don't know, I haven't talked to anybody with the Dodgers today. Today's a, a day off for the organization, except for baseball operations. Um, but it appears to me that they were in on him based on the published reports I'm seeing. Uh, and it did make sense to me that they need an innings eater. I don't think we're going to have a big problem with innings with Bueller and with Kershaw. Uh, Dustin May had six innings last time out. I think that was a really positive step forward. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is going to stay in the rotation, so hopefully he can get deeper. Uh, Ross Stripling, I talked to him about it the other night. I asked him about it, you know, do you have a sense of frustration that you're unable to get deeper in the games? And he's like, yeah, I, you know, because he left the game four innings plus two hitters uh, against the Rangers, and he had a lead. And if you're a starting pitcher and you have the lead and you have to leave before you're qualified to get a decision, that's, I would think that's frustrating to any starting pitcher, Mm -hmm. but the situation dictated he come out at that time. So uh, I think they do need an innings eater. I think David Price would have been that guy. Uh, I don't, you know, you you can't blame him for, for opting out. Everybody has their personal reasons for doing it. Uh, I've seen him pitch enough in the past with Boston to know that he can eat innings. Yeah. And he might have been that guy, but it's nothing to pin on him this year. He's just, he's not in the picture. But uh, I, I thought Lance Lynn could have been a good guy to get. I think the bullpen's pretty solid. And the other thing is, and when you talk to GMs and presidents of baseball operations and other baseball ops soldiers that, that work hard on this stuff, scouts too, and I've had many of these conversations over the years, it's a, it's a, a cliche, I guess, in baseball now, but it is very true. Some of the best deals that are made are the ones that aren't made. And when you look at this Dodger clubhouse, yeah, it's very tight. This is one of the more tight clubhouses that you're going to find around baseball. And that's important. The chemistry thing is important. Don't, un, you know, don't, don't underrate that. So by not making a deal – the players typically will take this as a challenge and say, all right, they believe in us as a group. There was nothing that they felt could improve this group. So they didn't make a deal. And I think especially with Lance Lynn, if, if indeed that was a true story, uh, you're looking for a guy, not only for a month, if you're the Dodgers, but you're looking for a guy for next year too. And if that wasn't going to be the case, then I don't blame them at all for not making a deal. I don't think you buy a guy for a month this year. Yeah. I think the Dodgers have enough. I think they have enough talent. I think they have enough offense. I think they have enough pitching where they can take the, the, the guys they've, they've got. And I guess the Dodgers right now are ready to dance with the ones that brought them. So that's good. And, yeah. You know, the Padres, meantime, they turned <laughs> over more than 25% of their roster. How's that going to work out? Yeah. I don't know. They're They're – they're going all in, it seems, for, for what I don't know. But, yeah, um, yeah no, it, it, it definitely makes sense. And I think a lot of the reports are saying that 
Uh, the asking price is just too high for a guy like Lance Lynn, and I don't blame the Dodgers for not pulling the trigger. Would he have improved our pitching staff? Maybe, but um, I look at the the guys in the rotation right now, and 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 I like all of those guys more than I like Lance Lynn. So it it does it does make a lot of sense. But I did want to touch on a point that you made about innings eaters, and and Lance Lynn being one of those guys that could have you know uh, stretched the game out for for starting pitching. But what we've seen this year so far is that uh, it appears that starting pitchers are not going deep into the games. Um, and I'm I'm kind of curious as to what you think the the deal is there because it's not like um, they're, they're throwing a hundred, a hundred pitches by the fourth inning or fifth inning. And you got to take them out. Some of these, uh, I mean, like, uh, Tony Gonsolin, uh, before he got taken out of the game in Texas, he had only thrown 62 pitches and you said he had the lead. So it, it, it's sort of confusing as to, um, why, why they wouldn't let these pitchers go longer and, and save the bullpen. Yeah, that's, I think like the other day you had game one of the double header Kershaw could have gone seven easy. You know, he could have pitched a complete game easily, but his job was done at that point. I think they were up, what, 7 nothing at that point. So his job was done. Uh, I think if you do have an innings eater, that strengthens the bullpen without having to do anything because mm-hmm. now there's less stress on them. You don't have guys coming in in the fifth. You got, don't have guys coming in in the sixth. You know, Lance Lynn has had how many straight appearances where he's thrown over 100 pitches? I mean, he had 110 the other day against the Dodgers. So, yeah, you want one of those guys. I know in Pittsburgh, one thing that changed Pittsburgh was when they got A.J. Burnett a few years ago because A.J. was an innings eater. And because he did that, that helped their bullpen. And so when you look at what happened when he was there in 2013, 14, and 15, those were the last three years they made the postseason. I'm not saying just because of him, but he was the main guy they brought in to eat innings to help the bullpen. And he had a little bit of success on the Hill because they had good offense. I mean, Russell Martin was there. We had, you know, good players there then. Um, So the innings eater doesn't just, you know, help the team offensively by keeping the score down. It really helps strengthen the bullpen so they have less usage. And isn't it a great industry when you want to pay guys to not work? I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you you don't want to use the bullpen if you don't have to. And yet some of these guys are get, making a pretty good living there as a as huge insurance policies for these ball clubs. Right, right. Well, uh, I do have one one final question. It's sort of a uh, inside baseball, if you'll forgive the phrase, um, question about uh, broadcasting. And um, you're in a unique position because you are either preparing to back up Charlie on radio or fill in for Joe on TV. So you kind of have to prepare differently, I'm assuming, for each medium. But for you this year, it's sort of bizarre. You're, you're not getting as many games as you would uh, normally in 162 games. So is, are, are all the games that you're doing, are they pretty much planned out? Or are there some instances where you have to come in and, and like, like a pinch hitter almost? <laughs> yeah, well... Let's see, Saturday, this past Saturday, I got a, a text at 10.45 a.m. Uh, we need you to fill Alana's spot today. She's not feeling well. Hmm. Can, you, can you make it in? And, I mean, I needed to be there. It was 10.45. I needed to start work at noon. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, uh, fortunately, where I am, I'm – probably 10 minutes from Dodger stadium. So I, I said, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll scramble. So I didn't have any time to prepare, but because I'm following it every day and 
when the team is home and I'm not broadcasting the game, I'm actually in the radio booth sitting in the front row of suite 215 because they've moved us into luxury suites this year. So there's mm-hmm. more room to spread out. And I'll sit down there. Rick is three rows behind me. Well, you know, social distance well away. And then our producer, Dwayne McDonald, is in the suite at a table way behind Rick. So, and then when I do the game on radio, I'll sit in that same seat in the front row and then they'll run cables and a monitor out there. So like I'm looking straight ahead at the field and not at Rick at all, not next to Rick. He's behind me. Um, so, and when they're on the road, what I'll do is I'll go out there, do the pregame stuff. And then I come back to the hotel because it's either, do I watch the game on TV at the ballpark or do I watch the game, you know, where I'm staying right now. Right. So I watch the game where I'm staying where I can really concentrate on it. And, um, and then we do the post game with David Vassay after that, but it's different. I mean, you're right, Jake. It's very different because you do have to prepare certain ways for certain days. Um, you know, TV, there's some other things that we do. Uh, generally there are some of the similar things I would look, look to do. Um, but with radio, there's, you know, some aspects because I try to involve Rick a little more on radio uh, just because of his experience and the way that he analyzes a game. I love listening to him talk about whatever. And, uh, you know, same with Oral. I, I want to try to draw Oral in more on the baseball stuff. Uh, you know, he and I will talk a lot about the game, um, different things. But uh, we will have some things because it's a television crew pre-planned, some graphics built. We'll look at them before the game and then we'll – we won't know exactly when they'll be put in. You know, some of that stat cast stuff might be from a home run the night before, might be from a catch the night before, might be a catch from the first inning. Uh, but we, we have, a, you know, research packets. We have a person that does research for our crew. And we take some of the good graphics out of there and build them in around sponsor elements for TV. Or radio, we'll just kind of sprinkle them in. So it's, it's a different type of call, too, entirely on TV than on radio. Radio, you got to be more descriptive. Basically, I look at it like I'm, uh, you know, broadcasting the game for, uh, you know, somebody who's sitting in a dark room, can't see. <laughs> yeah. And TV, they can see everything. So you say a lot less. So it's, it's a totally different call. And you really, I think you have to have a balance between the two. Uh, I've heard a lot of people do radio on television and it doesn't work. Uh, so, you know, like an example would be, uh, you know, swinging a ground ball to Corey Seager, two steps to his left, he's up, he fires the first, he got him. And then TV, the same call is, you know, bouncing ball to Seager, two out. Right. So it's totally, totally different. You just have to get a feel for it and have, you know, I've been lucky because I've had a lot of experience doing both. Yeah. All right, David. Yeah. Um, so I just got a couple questions for you and then, I, then we'll let you go. Um, first one is going to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your GM hat on for you. Um, three game Uh-oh. series, three game series yeah. in, the, in the first round. Obviously, we're going to get Kershaw and Bueller for the first two. Who who are you going with for the third spot after you know what you've seen this year? What I'd probably do if it were up to me. I mean, and it's not. Uh, they don't invite me to those meetings. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if it were up to me, and, it, and this, you talk about if it started tomorrow, yeah, I probably would piggyback uh, Dustin May and Ross Stripling, maybe Tony Gonsolin hanging around if, if that if that's how the, the roster is going to work I would do a piggyback situation for game three yeah uh, but probably right now the way things have gone in the last 
week or two, I'd probably go with May. Um, good answer. You know, I, I, that's just me observing every night. That's it. Yeah, no, that would be, that would be, I can't promise you that's going to happen, (laughs) (laughs) but it, it, I just, you know, you go on performance at this point in time, but I would have to think there'd be a piggyback situation. uh, And one of these starters is going to be a long reliever. We just don't know who yet. Exactly. That's that's where I'm at too. Um, What, if any interaction have you had with Andrew Friedman himself? Because we don't know like, like as fans and, you know, just, just, you know, everyday people, we don't know a lot about Friedman. Like he's kind of this like, shadowy type guy who just makes these deals and out of nowhere man yeah he's just so so what what interaction have you had with him and what's what's he like he's a good guy it's funny that you you think he's this mysterious guy he you know he does appear on television we you know we talk to him uh, occasionally this year we are on we really have been unable to connect with him all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't talk to the players unless it's on zoom. We can't talk to the coaches, manager, anybody else. We're not having personal interaction with people. Um, but when I have with Andrew, he's been terrific. I mean, he's really a good guy to talk to just about anything. I mean, he's, he's a genuine down to earth, really not mysterious at all kind of guy when you get to know him. So He's very smart and he's surrounded himself with a lot of smart people. Mm-hmm. And so some people may not understand some of the moves they make. And, you know, frankly, there are people who do what we do who, who, uh, who might not either, but they're not in the inner workings. They're not in the right in the, the guts of the analytics of everything. And, and uh, you know, there are things that they know that we don't, that they don't share because right. It, it might not be fair to somebody to share all the things. You wouldn't believe the things that scouts know about players. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it. That never get out. Right. Yeah. That, that, that never get out. Um, so I, I just, I think Andrew's a good guy. I really do. I think he's good for the situation here in Los Angeles. He's he and Dave Roberts, you know, have a very good working relationship, which is important for any president of baseball ops to have with his manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work very well together and, you know, I think you'll see a lot of them if they win the last game in October, you're going to see a lot more of them. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope so. He yeah. deserves it. All right. Kevin or Jake, you got anything else? Who makes the lineups, Tim? Is it Dave, <laughs> is it Dave or Andrew? Or are they both doing it at every game? No, I do. I'm, I'm late for <laughs> submitting it for today. No, I'm just no it, it's the manager. The manager does. And, and um, what they do from the best I understand in my conversations with them about this, uh, going back to last uh, spring training, um, you know, Bob Guerin's very much involved because he is, as the bench coach, he actually makes out the lineup, the big lineup card and all that stuff. And they talk about a lot of factors and yes, is the front office involved? Every front office is involved. Okay. They want to know like, what are the best matchups? It's not like the old days where they had eight guys in a pitcher and they'd roll them out there every day. It's different today. Baseball is yeah. just different because they can play tendencies. They can play matchups. They can play a guy's hot, guy's not. Um, they, they know other things. Guy might have a sore back nobody knows about. So let, let's just give him a scheduled day off next to an off day. That's two days and then he's okay on day three. These things can happen. Uh, when it comes down to it, the manager makes the lineup card. And they might have like two or three or four 
different versions of it on his desk in the afternoon, you know, as, as the, the staff goes over everything, like, what's, what's going to get us a win today? And sometimes it's a gut feeling on a certain position. <clears throat> I mean, we've seen uh, lineups that have been posted and then we'll, we'll see a quick update where like so-and-so and so-and-so could just get flipped and that might be the only change. So why? Well, they have their reasons. Want to get this other guy, maybe an expert at bat in the ninth inning or something. Who knows? But they have their reasons for doing it. They have reams and reams of data to back things up like every team does. The Dodgers have a big analytics department. Most teams do now. Um, but I think when it comes right down to the end of it, Dave's got the last say on the lineup, and that's what, that's what it should be. I mean, the, the manager should make the lineup at, at the end of the day, and I'm sure he does. I know he does. Good to know. All right, Tim, we really appreciate you coming on to the incline today. It was a very fun time. You gave us a lot of great answers. It was really just a good, good time with you. Thank you. No, not a problem, guys. Uh, just, you know, keep watching this team. They're, they're a fun team to watch. And uh, part of me is glad they didn't make any moves at the deadline and they go with this group down the stretch. I, I've yeah. seen it in the past. I've seen it work for teams. And uh, I think it can work for this one. So it's going to be a fun September. And I think uh, October could be – it's going to be different. might be in a bubble, but it's going to be different. <laughs> but I think the Dodgers have just as good a chance to win everything this year as, as they should. And uh, the ball club, the organization has done a great job putting this team together. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks again yes. for coming on, Tim. Yeah, thank you, Appreciate Tim. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank Thanks, you. guys. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right, fans. As you heard, that was Tim Neverett joining us today on the Incline. What a great guy. You know, he's been doing a phenomenal job broadcasting for the Dodgers. He kind of gave us some insights just to how he could be on call some days. Any takeaways from his interview, real quick, David? Yeah, I mean, he, that was, he's, he has a lot of good insight there. It was cool to, you know, see his whole background of his career, and he's kind of, you know, the Kike Hernandez slash, you know, <laughs> David Freeze of the broadcast team right now. And, you know, he's, I, I love listening to him call games. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're lucky to have him. All right, we had to do this because it's been a little bit of a hot take for me, I guess, the past week. Out of left field today. Independence Day. Oh my describe god. Describe it. Describe it, David. Independence Day, the original, with Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum is one of the best movies of all time. And when I say best, I'm not talking about a cinematic masterpiece with phenomenal cinematography and costume design and all that. I'm talking about why do you go to the movies? To be entertained. That's that's the reason you go to the movies. And if that doesn't entertain you, then I can't help you. Because that's one of the best movies ever made. It was, <laughs> was the, the favorite movie of my child. I still love it to this day. And it has the best movie speech in the history of movies. Um, just a phenomenal film. So entertaining. And if, you don't, if you're going to criticize you know, all the little things and how it's cheesy, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you're going to the movies for the wrong reason. All right. Here's the thing about Independence Day. Is it a fun movie? Sure. Is it one of the best movies ever made? Absolutely not. I would not have it in my top 100, probably not even in my top 200. Ugh. What I am going to name in a moment is the top 10 action movies ever. And then David can rebuke this, I guess. Can I just, can I just say one thing real quick? What's up? We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. <laughs> 
today we celebrate our Independence Day. Like, how does that not pump you up? Like, just and watching that, and then the whole speech, it's like, I want to, like, go fight aliens right now. And you didn't even name this actor, but the best one in the movie, in my opinion, was actually yes. Bill Pullman. Yes, president. President, president Whitmore is a, is a badass. He's a really good actor. You know, he was really good in The Sinner. And then he was also good in Casper, the first one. Mm-hmm. Not Casper meets Wendy's. But, you know, the first hour of Independence Day, it's pretty boring. Not a lot happens. Then, boom, explo- story. explosion. And these aliens, you know, they're very funky looking. I know David's talked about aliens in the past. Yeah. Is this what aliens would look like? Probably not. Maybe. <laughs> is their technology a little out of date to get hacked? That's a, another questionable call right there. But sorry, I'm giving away too much. Um, no, if you haven't seen Independence Day by now, it's like that's your own fault. <laughs> came right. out in like the 90s, like 1999 or something. All right. So the top 10 action movies. The Number 10, Face Off. Have you seen Face Off? No, I have not. Oh, God. Okay, well, real quick, it's Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. You've said enough. I have no interest. Number 9, Gladiator. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Number 8, Die Hard. Okay. Number 7, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. None of the other ones, but that one takes is the king. Number six, Jurassic Park. Number five, there's too many of these. You know, this could be a list of its own, but James Bond, 007, whether it's Goldfinger or Dr. No. Sean Connery is like the king of action films, so we've got to give him some love. Number four, The Matrix. Keanu Reeves, you know, I wanted to list Speed in here as well, but it didn't make the cut. Keanu Reeves is a low-key underrated action star. Yeah. Number three, this was another one where I was torn because two of them are just spectacular, whether it's Ghost Protocol or Fallout, Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, Mm. Ethan Hunt, Mm -hmm. one of the greatest action movies you can ever see from the start. It's just incredible. And Tom Cruise does his own stunts as well. And then, all right, number two, you'll appreciate this one probably, Aliens. The yeah. sequel and then number one you could go with the original but the sequel also is just as good if not better terminator 2 judgment day you know it's that's not a bad list um but independence day absolutely needs to be on that list somewhere i'm not saying it has to be number one but it's got to be on that list somewhere it just has to it had more action in the first hour maybe it makes the cut but it almost put me to sleep not gonna lie no, you got to just appreciate the process. They're figuring out what's going on. All right. Do you have an out of left field today? Um, I don't really have one. The only thing I could complain about right now is it'll just be a quick one. If you're a pedestrian and you're crossing the street and a car is stopped for you and you're just taking your sweet time, leisurely strolling, going extremely slow, stop it. Just stop it. Unless you're like an old lady or like someone who's like with a disability or, you know, you have a hurt ankle or something. If you're just a regular person just walking like half a mile an hour across the, uh, across the crosswalk, you're inconsiderate and you're rude. Um, at this point, you've, if you've listened to the show, you realize that I like hate everything about travel. Uh, and that's just another one. So that's my out of left field. Okay. 
Good stuff. All right. We got to get out of here. So why don't we just do our final thoughts real quick? And that'll conclude this week's epic trade deadline show. Yeah, my final thoughts are the Dodgers are still the team to beat in the NL and in the MLB. Uh, The Padres are getting so much hype, and until they back it up, I have no reason to believe it. Chris Paddock is overrated, and Chris Paddock is overrated. So don't forget that. Have faith in Andrew Friedman, and go Dodgers. Build him a statue, as David famously once said. This feels like a good year for the Dodgers, so I'm not panicked that they uh, didn't make a trade. You know, you don't have to force a deadline move just because it's a deadline. And who knows? Maybe exactly. someone gets someone gets put on waivers. That that could happen still. Uh, what I'm looking forward to, you know, the Dodgers. Their next six games are at home: three against the Diamondbacks, three against the Rockies. This is a chance to really just seal the deal. Like if they can just knock these two teams out, win four or five of the six then they're winning the division. It's over. Yep, 100%. There's not much time left. So what I want to look out for is Clayton Kershaw. He is now legitimately in the Cy Young race. That is the first time I've said that this season on the show. He has a Mm -hmm. 180 ERA. He's 4-1. and He continues to pitch deep all but one game. And then Walker Buehler coming back from the IL. He should be making his next start in a few days. Uh, I said it last week. Let's see if he can continue the recent hot stretch he started to put together. And then now it's time to figure out who that number three starter is. Dustin May looks like the front runner, but Julio Urias still has the talent to very well get there. You know, his issue is just that first inning. If he can get over that little hump, yeah, he will be the guy. Command. Yeah. Command. Exactly. So this is. This is the time now where you kind of start to figure out who those three starters are going to be. Then you put the rest in the bullpen, at least for the first round, given the rule change. Yeah. I mean, frankly, like, if it's a, you know, if they're going four stars, I'm looking ahead to the second round. You know, I think they go with May, Arias, and Gonsolin for those final two games. Some combination of those three pitching in in those two games, you know? Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Incline. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram or follow us on Facebook. And you can follow Dodgers Lowdown as well. Thank you to Tim Neverett again for joining us today. The first time we got one of the Dodgers broadcasters, so that was very exciting. And then lastly, if you guys are nice to me, I'll be doing a giveaway, a Kenley Jansen (laughs) bobblehead this time. So look out for that. It's coming. All right, guys, we're out.